assurance of things hoped for, the assurance of things unseen. Yeah, what is faith? What else? Give me some other, you know, class participation this morning. What is faith? Yes, sir. Trust. What else? Belief in action. What else? Hope, did someone say? Yep. Okay, what else? It's a gift. Right, it's a gift. Someone said obedience, I think I heard. Back there? Obedience, okay. What else? Faith in things that seem impossible to happen. Believing in things that are impossible to happen. Okay. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, okay. Sounds good to me. What else? Dependency on God. Peace. What else? Faith. You are people of faith, aren't you? We are people of faith. And um, faith is pretty important. How many of you, before you were a follower of Christ, had faith? Could you raise your hand? Before you were a follower of Christ, you had faith. Some of you, some of you. Because, see, you have faith, and we exercise faith every day. Not necessarily faith in God if you're not a follower of Christ, but we'll get to that. Okay? Michael Ramsden, in an article that he wrote called What is Faith? on the Rabbi Zacharias website. Rabbi Zacharias is a Christian apologist, and he gives this this interesting definition and discussion on faith. And he says that many people, including some Christians, very sadly have this definition, definition of faith. Faith is believing what you want to believe, yet cannot prove. Faith is believing what you want to believe, yet you cannot prove it. And to some people, he says, that's very liberating. Because it means that they're able to believe in anything that they want to believe. No explanation is required. No explanation can be given. It's just a matter of, well, why do you believe that? You just have to have faith. Well, are you sure about that? No, it's just faith. Okay? Oh, that fits nicely into our into our worldview, because you don't really have to describe why you have faith in this, but it's just a matter of faith. For others, that definition doesn't work at all, because uh, embracing faith to them means that you stop thinking. And the more that your faith increases, the more reason and meaning eventually disappear. No explanations can be given. No explanations are extended. And so for those people, living in faith is taking a leap into the darkness. And that's not a mathematical equation. Now, for both groups, he says, they have the same problem. By starting with the wrong definition of faith, they've answered the wrong question. They're dealing with the wrong problem. And they've both ended up with the wrong answer. And so, faith is not wishful thinking. It's not about believing in things that do not exist. It neither makes all things believable, nor does it make meaning impossible. Interesting. We'll get back to that. But we exercise faith every day. For example, we go and we visit a doctor. And sometimes, he or she is a doctor whose name we can't even pronounce. (laughs) <laughs> my mom has one of those doctors. 
They were explaining, well, who's her cardiologist? I said, well, it's Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, hold on, let me look this up. And she said, oh, that doctor. And they have, everybody has an abbreviated name for him because no one can pronounce his name. And we trust this doctor or any doctor's prognosis because we have faith that all those diplomas on the wall are authentic. We don't know if they are or not. Anybody that has any expertise on the computer could make their own diploma. You put on a, 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 the appropriate gear and have a, you got to have stethoscope around your neck, right? That's, how, I think, part of being a doctor. I think when you go to medical school and you pass all that, you deserve to have a stethoscope. I think instead of giving them a diploma right there, they should give them a stethoscope and put it around their neck. And he gives us a, a, a prescription that we usually cannot read. We take it to a pharmacist who we hope can read it. And by the way, we don't even see her diplomas. She fills it out, and we trust it, that what she gives us is, in fact, what the doctor ordered. We go home, and we take that medication by faith, hoping that we'll get better. That takes faith. I didn't notice anyone coming in this morning and checking the chairs to make sure that they would, in fact, hold you up. You had faith in that. Wouldn't that be funny if someone walks in and they're like, Check the chair. You never know about the... No, we just, we, just, we just believe it. Airplanes take off every day. All around the world, people fasten their seat belts and let complete strangers uh, who we assume know what they're doing and know where they're going take us 30,000 feet in the air. And we understand that the vast majority of people survive we don't even think about whether or not we'll make it to the other side. We assume that we will, and if we do think about it, we quickly get that thought out of our mind. That takes faith. So, how do we define belief? Many people believe that Jesus Christ really existed. Many believe that He is who He claimed to be, God Himself and the Savior of the world. But that's not necessarily biblical faith. That's just mental assent. There are many people who believe that Jesus was, in fact, a historical figure. But the Bible says in James 2.19 that even the demons believe. So biblical faith is very different. It goes beyond mental acceptance of the facts. Biblical faith is actually like buying a ticket. Biblical faith is like boarding a plane, and it's like fastening your seatbelt and trusting that that pilot will get you to the destination that you are going to. And so the words faith and belief are similar. So we're going to do a three-week series on faith, and trust me, we could do a six-month series on faith. Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines faith as a belief or in or confident attitude toward God involving commitment of his will for one's life. Nelson says, belief is to place one's trust in God's truth. A person who believes is one who takes God at his word and trusts him for their salvation. Look at faith and belief as a train on a track. There are two sides to the track. They're both needed for the train to make it safely to its destination. Faith and belief are two sides of the same coin. 
there are at, at least four different words in the Greek language for faith. The one that's most commonly used has the expression or the thought of persuasion. The root word means to convince. So the word belief in Greek means trust, trustworthiness, or confidence. So in essence, belief and faith are sort of the same word. People have faith or a belief. It means they're convinced by the facts and that those facts uh, somehow cause them to live in a particular way. One definition of faith could be this. Faith is absolute certainty that what is believed is true and that what is expected will come true. It's not the hope that looks forward with wishful longing. It's the hope which looks forward with utter conviction. And so we go to the Bible and we look at what the Bible says about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And I'll have it here in a couple of different versions for you. It says in the J.B. Phillips translation, Now faith means putting our full confidence in the things we hope for. It means being certain of things we cannot see. Interesting. Being certain. Absolutely, utterly convinced of things that we cannot see. New Living Translation says faith is the confidence that, we, uh, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. The Amplified Bible, the same verse says this. Now faith is the assurance, that is the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I like that. Faith perceiving as real what is not revealed or, or uh, uh, by the senses or picked up by the senses. It's supernatural. The writer to the Hebrews goes on in chapter 11, verse 6, and he says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? So perhaps the best word we can use to translate the Greek language uh, uh, is trustworthiness. Now, figure it this way. Suppose you tell someone that uh, you have faith in them. Now, really do. I want you to know I've got faith in you. Well, what, what exactly does that mean? And if we could take these two scriptures as our context, well, first, it means that you are pretty sure that the person that you're talking to actually exists, right? Okay, you've got to be sure of that. And second, you're convinced that that person is trustworthy. You can believe what that person says. You can trust in their character. So in this way, what the writer of the Hebrew is talking about in regards to faith in God is that faith is knowing that God is real and that you can trust in His promises. Faith is knowing that God is real and that you can trust in His promises. Um, you cannot trust in someone who isn't there. Can you rely on the promises of someone who isn't trustworthy? You can't. That's why faith is talked about as a substance of things to hope for, as evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance. It, it, you get a measure of faith 
Because without faith, you can't even come to Christ. We'll talk about that in a bit. So, so at, at salvation, you, you get faith from God to even believe in Him. But then there is a faith that grows from there. It's a substance of things hoped for and an evidence of things not seen. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't exist with your eyes, but it's true and it's real. There's evidence to something that's unseen. Think about that. There's evidence. It's not just wishful thinking. There is evidence, even though you cannot see it. Now, we believe in things that we cannot see all the time. Billy Graham is famous for saying, you see the wind or you feel the wind, but you cannot see it. Uh, we believe in electricity, but you cannot necessarily see it, but you can see the effects of it, right? And so, you know, we're okay with that. Substance and evidence. Those words carry a sense of reality. Our hope is not wishful thinking. Faith does not make God real. On the other hand, faith is a response to a real God who wants to be known to us. Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 6 says this, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. And so it's not an invitation. Faith is not an invitation to leap into the dark. Rather, it's a calling to step into the light. We're called to see things as they really are and not as we would like them to be. People will say, you know what, man, you people, you have all this faith. Well, there's no evidence of this faith. And we say, well, I can't prove it to you. But the Bible says that there's an evidence of something that's unseen. Well, you people, you have faith. You're, you're taking a, you're, it's just a leap of faith. It's a step into the dark. But do you think about this? I mean, I mean, doesn't everyone do that when it comes to faith? Isn't there at some point, I mean, if you really, really believe that evolution is true, is that not a step into nothingness? I mean, it absolutely is, because evolution begins with something created out of nothing. That takes a lot of faith to believe that, to believe that the kind of, of, of incredible detail and order that we have in this world came from nothing See, we believe in the beginning, God. Evolutionists believe in the beginning, nothing. Which one takes more faith? People would say, well, you people of faith, you're not realists. You don't look at the world as it truly is. No, because we have faith, we are called to see things as they truly are. Not as just we want them to be. We trust in a God who has been revealed to us in the Son and in the Spirit. And we believe and we have faith because God is real. Now, isn't that just pretty basic? When it comes to faith, you have to believe that God exists. You have to believe that. If you don't believe God exists, why would you believe in Him? Why would you believe in a friend that you don't have? <laughs> 
I mean, as children, we might have imaginary friends, but you can't grow up with that. At some point, you've got to move on, right? And that you also have to believe that the character of that person is indeed trustworthy or they are who they say they are. And, and see, that's where the stretch of faith never stops, where we keep on learning about the character of God and we keep what? trusting in the character of God. That, that's where we get the measure of faith, you know. I mean, I always believe that God existed. I mean, if you were to say, do you believe in the existence of God? I mean, even in, when I was as far away from God as I could possibly have been, I would say, of course I believe in God. I mean, I probably would have said, doesn't everybody? Well, do you believe God is trustworthy? I probably would have said, okay, and I'm not sure what you mean by that because I don't really know him. I, don't, I, I can't tell you about his character. I, I don't know. I mean, is, I, I think he is. I would assume God is trustworthy, but I really couldn't elaborate on that. Why? Because I had some faith that God existed, but I didn't have faith in his trustworthiness. That's the other side of the word. I didn't have that. I didn't have any context. Why? Because I did not receive the full measure of the faith to believe. Because when you have that, then you begin to believe that he is who he says he is. And, and, we'll, and we'll get to that. So hold on to that. Because the gospel invites you into reality. So what's our response to this faith? In order to have a faith that is growing faith. And that's, I think, what we want. We want to have more faith a year from now than we have today, right? And there's ways to measure that, right? Nobody can measure it for you, but, but you know, you know. And, and how do we, this is the application part, how do we increase our faith? And I've always said this, faith is like love. Uh, uh, love to increase must be tested, right? Oh, man, I love you. I love you, man. What's up, man? Hey, can I borrow $100? Whoa, wait a minute, man. Come on now. Come on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Love you, bro. All right. Hey, man, give me a ride across town. Dude, I'm busy, man. What you, I got to work. I can't. Oh, okay, okay. A growing faith. Remember, we have a deposit of faith. We have that. God has given us faith. We could not come to him unless he give us that faith to believe in him. Okay, so we have that. How do we grow in our faith? Number one, read the word. Read the Bible. Really? It's that simple? Read the Bible. At some point, your faith will not grow if you're not reading the word of God. It, it won't. We, we read the Bible, we read the stories of people who have had to have awesome faith, people who have had to, to have experienced incredible things in which they had to have faith. Read the Word. Consider that every time you read the Bible, you're making a faith deposit because at some point, you're going to have to make some withdrawals, right? At some point, you're going to have to dig deep into your reserve of faith. And so if you read the Word, you're storing up deposits, for when that time, not if, when that time comes. Romans 10, 17 says this, So then faith 
comes by? Mm. Now, how do we hear? With our ears? The Bible says by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. And so that tells me that faith often begins with some revelation from God. A promise, a word, of, a, a word from the Scripture, a prophecy. Faith often begins with some revelation from God. So, for example, let's say you're reading the Bible, you, you're doing your devotion, you're just flipping through, and there's a Scripture verse that you read, and it just comes alive to you. And you go, you go wait a minute, and, and there's something that the Spirit of the Lord is saying about that Scripture and you go, whoa, you know, I've never quite read that like that before. And then something else happens and you go, that's why God showed me that scripture. Uh, there was a revelation of the word of God. Uh, and if we're, if we're a people of the word, uh, uh, that God's word will be in our heart and on our minds and in our spirit. And, and we'll be able to recognize those things when they happen. Maybe it's a, a revelation that comes where God just speaks to you. God speaks to you. Maybe it's a, a prophetic word that someone gives you. And they say, hey, you know, I was reading this scripture verse the other day and I really think it applies to you. And you go, whoa, you have no idea how that applies. Yeah? So faith often begins with some kind of revelation from the word of God. And if we're a people of the word, then we'll be able to discern that. Secondly, first read the word. Secondly, we will be put in positions where our faith must be exercised. Faith is like love. Love needs to be exercised. So does faith. Hebrews 5.13 says, For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That has to do with discernment, but I also believe that has to do with faith. There are times where our faith has to be stretched. It has to be exercised. How many of you enjoy that when that happens? Yay. Oh, you guys are good. Yeah. I'll get some hands, hands raised the next service because they won't be really clicking and they'll go, oh, yeah, man. I'll be like, yeah. Ah, it's necessary. But you know what? You can help facilitate that. I think we can help facilitate our faith and the stretching and the growing of our faith. When's the last time you took a chance and a risk for God? You took a leap. Not foolish presumption. <laughs> oh, I had a dear brother in Christ, just a passionate man of God, who once told me that he was at Lake Mead. Late at night with some other brothers. They're worshiping God. They're just praising. And I didn't know you could get in Lake Mead that late. But they're like praising the Lord. Hey, I, mean, I guess you can. And they're having a good old time. And, it's, and he looked at the water. And he said, God, man, I love, man, I want to walk on that water, God. I want to walk on that water. And I remember as he told me the story, I said, I hope you didn't do that, bro. I hope you didn't do that, man, because you're going to get all wet, man, you know. Uh, and it's one thing when God calls you out on the water. It's another thing when you tell God you're going to walk out on the water. See, I mean, is that faith? I, uh, that's faith. I personally would not do that. <laughs> Unless I had a scuba tank on and a wetsuit and I'm getting ready to go diving at night. Which, why would you dive at Lake Mead at night anyway? Unless, anyway. See, see that, 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 I, I, that's, I'm not judging that's presumption. I'm just saying 
if you're going to walk out on water, make sure God calls you, right? Uh, but, but, but when's the last time you risked? I mean, come on, folks. When's the last time you got out of your comfort zone intentionally? When's the last time you, you just, you know what, man, Lord, I know, I just feel in my heart, God, you're telling me to share Christ with that person, and they got tattoos and a mohawk, and they got more piercings, and I don't know what, I'm going to go just tell them that you, no, I'm not doing that. Or just like, you know what, when's the last time? Uh, uh, you know, you guys were telling me about how you went uh, down to First Friday, and, and you just went and evangelized. And I just thought, man, you know, I love that. I haven't done that in so I need to do that. I haven't done that in so long. I need to take my family. Let's go, kids. Where are we going? We're going out downtown. What? You know? Wait, just take a step. And then maybe that's not it for you. Maybe it's just, you know, going over to a neighbor's house and just loving on them, praying for them. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's going on a short-term mission trip somewhere. Maybe it's talking to that coworker about their foul mouth and love and saying, you know, God really, I mean, so like, you know, I, I don't know what it could be. And it doesn't have to be in the context of evangelism, but when's the last time you stepped out of the boat and took a risk? Because guess what will happen? You'll stretch your faith. You'll increase your faith. You'll grow. Not presumption. Not like, God, I'm going to do this. I hope you catch me. Okay, you know. No, no, no. But you, you get my point? I think we can facilitate that. Maybe it's going to the rescue mission once a month with us. Maybe students, it's going to your school and finding out if there's a, a, an after-school Bible club and then going to it or starting one up. If there isn't one, you have the right to do that. To say, hey, how come we don't have a Bible club? All you need is one teacher who will facilitate it. And I know they're there. I know. And I know there's other Christians at your school too. That's a step. Right? Woo! When's the last time you took a risk? Maybe it's going to that light group that you've been talking about. I'm going to go to that light group. Yeah, man, what is it, Tuesday? Okay, yeah, I'm going to, no, but go. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't want people all in my business. Go. Why not? I think when I was, I think when I was newer in Christ and younger in faith, I took more risks. How about you? I did prison ministry, not, not boasting, I did prison ministry Two and a half years. You know how it started? My buddy says, what are you doing Thursday nights? I said, I'm doing whatever you're doing. Let's go out to Indian Springs. I said, all right, what are we going to do up there? We're going to preach the gospel. I said, we are getting out, right? Okay. Don't wear blue jeans. Got it, <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? Do you recall when you were young in Christ and how, how, how you, you just, how easily you stepped into things? Now it's a little more difficult. Wait a minute, i got to pray about it, and I don't know, and that's not my ministry, stacking chairs. I don't have that anointing. Yes, you do. Everybody has that ministry. Right? Sometimes we complicate things too much. I'm not speaking. You hear the balance. You hear the balance. Okay. So this week, take a risk. But let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't take a risk just to take a risk. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. 
Okay? Can we get some reports back next week? We'll leave that to the Holy Spirit. Okay? <clears throat> Thirdly, when it comes to a growing faith, I think the hardest step may be the first step. The hardest step may be the first step. Listen to this. The following letter was found in a baking powder can wired to the handle of an old pump that offered the only hope of drinking water on a very long, seldom-used trail across our Armagosa Desert. This is what it said. Interesting find. This pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a little water out of the sun and cork in up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour out one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get, and it's spelled G-I-T, when you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. And then it was signed, Desert P. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. Isn't that interesting? I think sometimes when it comes to faith, the first step is the hardest. Are you going to prime the pump, or are you going to drink the water? That's good. Fourthly, I think we will need to step into the unknown. And for many of us, a known present is better than an unknown future. I read that the African Impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. These amazing creatures, however, can be kept in a zoo with a wall only three feet high. Do you know why? They will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. Amazing. Will we trust God and have faith to jump when we cannot see where our feet will land? That's difficult, but that's growing faith. Next, we will not always operate in the realm of what's possible. You know you live in the dimension of the supernatural. Do you know that? Do you know that you've been called out of darkness into light? Do you know that when you got born again, when you became a new creation in Christ, that the old creature is gone, the old creation's gone, and the new has come? Do you know that before you were a Christian, you existed in this dimension, and when you became born again, you, you stepped into a whole new dimension, the dimension of the Spirit? And living in that dimension will cause us to, at times, believe things that are not possible. And that's the biblical definition of faith. Seeing things as though they are, but believing that God can do something beyond what I can see. That's faith. 
Philip Yancey defines faith as believing in advance in something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. <laughs> That's good. Believing in advance in something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. Now, let me just share two last points with you regarding faith. And trust me, we could talk about faith from now to the end of the year. We're going to do it in three weeks. Listen, remember the source of your faith. Remember the source of your faith. Remember the source of your faith is not you. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. <clears throat> what we need to step into that dimension must come from God. We must trust in Him. Like the man, Jesus said, Do you believe that I can heal your son? What did the man say? Lord, help my unbelief. I believe you can do it, but I'm struggling. Okay. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help my lack of faith. Lord, give me strength to step into this. Yeah. Well, essentially, biblical faith is trust. Think about this. Putting your eternal destiny, putting your future after this life into the hands of Jesus Christ who claims to be the Savior of the world. That's faith. We're trusting Him for the next step. There are many people who don't know what the next step is. There are many people who say they don't care. I would argue that when you're on your deathbed, that's a thought that may come to mind. It may. Jesus said in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you that he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death and into life. One who believes in this, in this way of trusting Jesus with his eternal destiny, more than 60 times the New Testament tells us of eternal life and that it's given to those who put their faith in Christ for their salvation. So the real question is this. Do you simply accept the facts as true? And there are some people who don't even take the time to look at the facts. Do you simply accept the facts as true? I assume you might because you're here this morning. Or are you trusting Christ with your eternal destiny? You've heard the story about the tightrope walker. Blondin is his last name. This man walked across Niagara Falls multiple times in incredible ways. I mean, this man, check this out, one time walked across blindfolded. That's crazy. Did that guy have an insurance policy? Like, what do you do for a living? Tightrope walker. No, thank you. Go to the insurance agent down the street. He walked across one time, stopped halfway through, made himself a cheeseburger and ate it. Come on, man. Come on. And then one time he, walked, he, he, he um, walked across to the amazement of all these people. Hi, you're awesome. You're ama That's great. He goes, how many of you guys believe I can go back to the other side? Ah, we believe you can do it, man. That's incredible. Do it again. We want to put it on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't around then. And he goes, you guys believe? Yeah, we believe. And he goes, okay. At a wheelbarrow, right? And he says, now, I want one of you guys to jump in this wheelbarrow, and I'm going to take you across. 
No, 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 no. We believe you can do it, but we don't have faith that you could take us across. No way. Nuh-uh. Right? Finally, one man said, I believe you can do it. He, he took one man across on his back once. That's crazy. That's crazy. Everybody take a deep breath. Go ahead, take a deep breath. Do you believe that Jesus is on the other side? Do you believe he can take you to the other side? And grab a hold of him. Okay? See that? Let's pray. Father God, um, uh, we thank you for faith. We're faithless people. But with you, we have faith. Help our unbelief. Lord, I know that I could pass a microphone around and that this body of believers could tell story after story after story of your faithfulness. And most of those stories came through tough circumstances. So, Lord, we believe you, we have faith, and we have trust in you. And, Lord, we ask that you would help our unbelief. Keep us in your word, O God, that we might make faith deposits so that when we need to make a withdrawal, there's something there. We won't be overdrawn. We won't be in a position where we do not believe you can get us through something because we've not made those deposits. Lord, for those who are in a faith battle right now, God, give them strength. Give them endurance. Lord, may they keep their eyes on your word. You've spoken a word about what you will do. Now, Lord, give us that faith to believe that you'll do, in fact, what you said. Help us to believe that you're trustworthy. And anyone here this morning, maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you're on the sidelines saying, yeah, God, I believe you can do it, but I I don't know if that applies to me. And today, you would say, I feel in my heart that I have faith today to believe for Jesus to be my Savior. I believe that when I die, that he will take me to heaven. I'm, I want to confess my sin and say, Lord, I've blown it. I've made mistakes. I've transgressed your law. But I want to say, forgive me, God. I want to have my name written in your book. Lord, I want to be able to go through this life, not faithless, but faithful. You said there'd be a time when you would say to those who have been faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. And so if that's you and your heart is just, is there's something deep within you that's just churning and you know it, I'd like you to raise your hand where you are that we might be able to pray with you this morning. Anyone at all who would say, yes, that's me, that's me, man. I'm, I, I'm, I'm tracking with you and I, be, I, I want Jesus in my heart. Anyone at all? I'll give you that opportunity this morning.